It is the Black Friday edition of the MA Report Podcast. Hopefully everyone had a great Thanksgiving with your friends and family. Of course, I am Jason Foy. As always, I'm joined by Daniel Galvan. Talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, uh, the main topic here on this week's episode is going to be about the PFL acquiring Bellator, as that was officially announced on Monday in a press release by the PFL. Of course, Don Davis went on the MA Hour to talk about what uh, basically kind of gave a great timeline of how all this thing did come together. Also, we'll have our December draft of fights as myself and Daniel will both draft uh, five fights each about our best fights for the month of December. Of course, we have three UFC events this month. Also going to talk about the WTF moment of the week that I saw on social media. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time to download, listen to this episode of the podcast, whether you listen to us on the podcasting platforms or if you're checking us out over on YouTube. Uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, if you hit that thumbs up, that would be very much appreciated. If you want to leave a comment about something that we had to say, be sure to do that as well. Daniel, we come in here, uh, you know, a day after Thanksgiving. It definitely was at the parents' house last night. Got uh, way too much food. Uh, you know, it's uh, by the time it got to dinner time, mom goes, you want some pumpkin pie? I go, I'm full, but yeah, I'm going to have some. Yeah, it's a, it's a day to be in a coma is what Thanksgiving was. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, I was yawning for 10 hours straight after lunch. And my big problem for Thanksgiving, Jason, was, yeah, I got stuffed for lunch. But then I had to go to my girlfriend's family's for dinner. So two Thanksgiving meals, Jason, two full full, full situations. And uh, needless to say, I had one of the greatest nights sleep ever last <laughs> night. But, uh, you know, shout out, you know, to her, her dad because he made a an amazing deep fried turkey. And I got to say, there is just no other way to celebrate Thanksgiving than with a deep fried turkey. It tastes absolutely delicious. I'm not a huge turkey person. And I'll say a couple of years ago, uh, my dad smoked a turkey and that was really good. Um, I'm just, I'm like, you see all these memes on, on social media. And it's like, you know, you know, Hey, build your perfect Thanksgiving dinner or whatnot, or name one I'm going to get rid of. Like I'm not a cranberry sauce guy. I have zero interest in having cranberry sauce, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I would, I would say I'd much rather have a ham than a turkey. Um, no, turkey so, sucks. But turkey I, I'm is, just, I'm, is, I, as someone who's done this for a very long time, Daniel, if you got to do the two families, you got to pace yourself. You know, you got to sit there and say, okay, we're going to one family at this time. Okay. I know I can't eat too much. Got to get, got, you know, I, you know, if you're, if you're going to your girl's family's house, okay, you don't want to eat too little because then they start looking at you like, what, our food's not good enough for you? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you got to plan this stuff out. Well, Jason, two things. One, I don't care if I'm stuffed. I'm going to finish that plate for dinner. I, I, I still ate the most at both houses. Okay. I, I have a big stomach and I have a high degree of tolerance and I love eating. So that was not a problem. I just felt like ass. I can't pace myself, man. I, I I'm just, I, I can't do it. Like I'll come in with the game plan and then it's just like, I eat that first bite of mac and cheese and I'm already thinking about getting my seconds, but uh, yeah, Turkey absolutely sucks. It's the UFC Apex cards of the Thanksgiving dinner meal, right? Like, you know, you have your delicious Madison Square Garden cards, which is like your mac and cheese and and whatnot. But uh, the turkey is the apex. It, it's just there. You know it's going to be there. You don't have a good time with it. Turkey tastes like ass. But if you do things to it, it can taste halfway decent. 
like smoking it or like deep frying it. You have to do things around it to kind of bring it up. And, and so that's why, again, I am of the belief that we should normalize deep frying turkeys. That's just how it should be done. It actually makes the main course halfway decent. Just be safe with it. I saw a video on TikTok of some dude uh, frying his turkey in the kitchen with... <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God, that's insane! Yeah, like that's you know, insane. like if, if we, we probably go on X right now, I'm sure we we could probably find some videos of people who blew their house up because uh, of deep frying a turkey. But uh, you know, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned about something there about you know kind of correlate to the UFC Apex, and you know, look, uh, Trent Ryan Smith is a guy that I I don't I don't follow. Um, I, I saw this come up on, on my timeline just because of. I think the way he he covers the sport is I, I think that he doesn't look to all sides of the story. Usually, um, you know, if Dana White said, uh, "Hey, Jason, uh, Jason's wearing a Florida State hoodie," Trent Reinsmith would tell me, "No, I'm not," which clearly I am. But he had this tweet that I thought was really spot on from a couple of days ago that came in my timeline, where it says. UFC fans crying about the lack of crowds at the UFC Apex events instead of bemoaning the quality of those cards is telling folks the problem is not the venue. And as much as I don't care for Trent and how he covers the sport, to me that tweet was spot on. I mean, it's it's one of these sayings, and when we do our December draft here later on the show, I mean, like you can look at, at the – there's three fight cards, and you know which two are in front of fans and which one is not. I mean, we, we've seen this – I mean, and it's not going to change. I mean, the UFC, I mean, when they're going from the apex, well, let's just call it what it is, they're putting on some fights. I mean, yeah, you're going to have a decent main event, but it's just not going to have quality cards. And and I think, but it also kind of leads into what our main topic is going to be here is, I think as we head into 2024, I think one of the big things that the PFL is going to be able to do in, in terms of getting people interested in watching their product is going to be about the quality of, of the cards that they can put on now the fact of not just with the roster they already had but now adding these 210 bellator fighters that P- this new you know pfl in 2024 i think they're going to be able to put on a lot of great cards that are going to sit there and say you know what it's a friday night it's a saturday night i want to sit at home and watch the pfl yeah and i guess we buried the lead here we are doing this podcast in a world where Bellator is no longer owned by Viacom. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows, but this is the first podcast we are doing since the PFL has acquired Bellator. Huge story that has been patently obvious since day one. And the point you're making is something that I was thinking about this morning as I went to go pick up uh, Eggs Benedict from IHOP. And, and it's what I thought about because I was thinking about the idea of keeping the Bellator brand, which they are going to do with the International Fight Series. And what the future for the PFL looks like. You know, there's a real opportunity for the PFL to do something in this next year. Because they have created a sense of momentum. A sense of expectation. People will give the PFL a chance in the beginning of the next year. Because they acquired a major MMA promotion. And people are going to want to see what the PFL does next. It's important for the PFL that they do not fumble the bag. Because as soon as they come out with a product that people see is skippable, they will once again skip the product. People are going to pay attention to those first few shows. If I'm the PFL, it's what you said, Jason. Quality over quantity. That is the one thing that the PFL can offer to the MMA audience that is not being served. Because right now, the MMA audience 
is getting overserved with quantity over quality. Jason, I guarantee you, you did not watch, and I didn't either, half if not all those prelim fights last weekend on that fight night card. I guarantee you, there's no way. I was on we an have an MMA. We have an MMA podcast. We we have no opinions about Mick Parkin and Cal Machado. And guess what? We it's it's not our fault. That fight card sucked ass. The, I mean, yes. Like when you look back at that fight card, what what stands out? Okay, Alien Perez tor- twerking on the cage. Amanda Rebus with the spinning back kick. The main event where Brandon Allen certified himself as a middleweight championship contender. Michael Morales big win over Jake Matthews. That prelim card was ass. That prelim card for that apex card in in uh, in um, December is is more is worse than ass. It's belly button. So yes, Jason, quantity. Get that out of here. Quality, give it to us. Yeah, I mean, I would say I was flying when this event was going on, and then when we landed, I was trying to get ESPN Plus on my phone. I was trying to log in, couldn't log in, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll watch this at some point. But, yeah, I've not gone back and, and watched it. But, you know, obviously it was on Monday, officially announced that PFL has acquired Bellator and, you know, took in the Don Davis interview with Ariel Hawani, and there was definitely some takeaways that I had from the interview that was said. I would say this before – we even get into the interview, and I, and I want to pull up and, and make sure I uh, pull up the the right uh, headline that was out there. And, of course, so this was an article that was tweeted not just by the PFL social media accounts, but it was also tweeted out by the Bellator. And it's an article from the Financial Times. Saudi Arabia-backed mixed martial arts league challenges UFC with Bellator deal. Interesting headline. Yeah. Yeah, because when I when I think of the PFL, I don't think Saudi Arabia backed immediately, right? That's not the immediate identifier, even though they are. So it's, it's a strange headline by the Financial Times, but it was shared by the page, right? Yeah, it was shared by, by PFL social media accounts. It was shared by the Bellator social media accounts. So that, to me, was my biggest takeaway, is, is the fact of that's a headline, which obviously the PFL, if, if you've noticed, when they do these type of announcements, they, they don't go to your MMA junkies of the world, your MMA fightings, or any MMA-themed website. They, they go to these other ones. Sometimes you'll see stuff on Forbes. But I just thought it was interesting about how it's being, the headline of that is written. Um, other notable takeaways for me from the Don Davis interview, and I thought Ariel did a, an incredible job of the interview. I think the only, if I was going to offer any criticism of the interview, is I wish Ariel would have pushed on, okay, in your 2024 season, will there be a bantamweight tournament? Will Will be a middleweight tournament because I think you can make the argument that two of the best fighters currently in the Bellator roster are their 185 pound champion Johnny Eblen and their 135 pound champion in Patchy Mix. Of course, Patchy Mix uh, getting that win there uh, against Sergio Pettis. Uh, but to me, one of the more surprising things I thought that Don Davis said was that Bellator only has 21 employees. Now, I would imagine what he meant by that was probably full time employees as opposed to contractors, and where he said PFL only has 52 employees. So I thought those were kind of small numbers when you think about you know running a fight promotion. What maybe you know he did indicate that hey everyone at at Bellator it will be offered a job or have the ability to, to work with PFL if they want to have that. And I think that that's obviously a great thing. Um, my, 
my assumption is I don't think Scott Coker is involved in this new company in 2024. That that's my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I definitely get the sense. Um, I've seen some very interesting tweets, or I shouldn't say uh, tweets. Uh, Instagram comments or, or posts from Mike Kogan, uh, where he's kind of uh, noting about the fact of, uh, hey, how do you build a resume? Um, if people have not seen, King Mo has been firing off at Mike Kogan on X. There's been some very interesting things that have been put out there uh, in terms of that. Um, other things, uh, you know, and Don Davis talked about his goal, uh, where he's trying to take this company. He wants to be the co-leader uh, in MMA along with the UFC. Now, his thought that Dana White is concerned about what PFL is doing, um, I get why you say that. We live in a realistic world here, Daniel. Dana White, Ari Emanuel, I guarantee you, they don't give a crap what the PFL is doing right now. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They're too focused on figuring out which podcaster to bankroll. Um. I think that the PFL is not a threat for the UFC, Jason. Um, more people will probably – will more people watch the Fight Night card than the PFL card in the Apex? The pay-per-view? No, 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 no. The um, the PFL pay-per-view versus the Fight Night card with Gutierrez and Song. Oh, Gutierrez and Song. Way more people watch that one. I mean, let's be yeah. – uh, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just being honest for me as someone who loves to consume combat sports. When I look at this pay-per-view card tonight, do I want to personally pay $50 for it? The answer is no. This is an event from a, a, a commercial side, you know, bars and restaurants that's being showed on ESPN plus for business, which is a sports package that you buy. We have it at our properties. And, you know, my favorite watering hole that I like to go to on a Friday night, I know they have ESPN Plus for business. So I'll likely end up there tonight because, okay, hey, you know what? I can sit at the bar, you know, have a couple Stellas, have some chicken wings, and enjoy the fights. That's probably where I take it in. But, like, for me, I, do I want to sit at home tonight and pay 50 bucks for this? No. I'm just, I, that's just me. Now, Don Davis did note in the interview with Ariel that ESPN sets a price point, not the PFL. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the deal. Don Davis needs to stop thinking about competing with the UFC. The PFL needs to stop thinking about competing with the UFC. Mm -hmm. The PFL needs to start thinking about how do we create a brand that people want to watch? How do we become a player? Not with the UFC, but just in the landscape of mixed martial arts. There is a real possibility with the roster this promotion now has to do something special and be a promotion that people care about. They need to take one step in from the other, not try to jump a mile ahead. To compete with the UFC will require a decade of excellence. It will require brick by brick you build the house. And right now what the PFL has is just a basic ass foundation. But if they focus their, their, their mind right and they do the execution of a great plan, they can eventually become a promotion that does good business consistently and ha puts on fights that people care about. Again, this is something I feel very strongly about, that the biggest issue for everything, pro wrestling companies like AEW, which I, I love AEW, and WWE, um, 
mixed martial arts organizations like the UFC, the biggest problem for anybody making content is oversaturation. There is too much content. The consumer has been paralyzed by the large amount of options that now they are watching nothing. That is why all these streaming services, not named Netflix, have a negative outlook on the future of their business. There is too many, too many options, too much content. If the PFL wants to be successful, Jason, they need to zag now. They need to only put on badass cards, and that's it. Put on the if your if your if your brand is the tournament, that's fine. Put on the best possible tournament in every weight class, the best possible fighters in that tournament, lock and load it, and that's the only thing you should do. Get those Bellator championships, circle them up. Put them in a trash can, okay? I don't want to see people defending those titles anymore. There doesn't need to be two sets of belts. If you, What they should do is the very first PFL show in the new year should be PFL versus Bellator. Boom, there's our unity. Then we're going to do a tournament. That's what they need to do. And honestly, Jason, I'm going to be honest with you, I actually think they should do away with the Bellator name. I, I know it has some legacy, Jason, but... It is too confusing to be promoting two different brands. Just focus on one. Yeah, I would. I would rename personally. I would rename it in something in relation to PFL. I mean, obviously, and I like the way Don Davis did present it of saying, you know what, the tournament is not for everyone. You know, he mentioned Anthony Pettis as an example of this. I think if you're an older fighter, and, and what I mean by older fighter is, you know, you're 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 past say 31, 32 years old. Sitting there making weight potentially four times in a six, seventh month period may not be what's ideal for your body. And so I think that there is a way to run, run, you know, basically a different fight series. And I think that Don Davis brought up some really good points about that. Of I just don't know if like there's certain fighters, like if you're a Patricio Pitbull, I mean, I'm sure financially you want to, but I mean, look, Patricio Pitbull is in the final stage of his career. I mean, he's, he's an older fighter. You know, he's in his late 30s, I want to say. So maybe he doesn't want to sit there and, and make that weight. But I thought you brought up a really good point. It made me think about, uh, I was watching, I don't know if I, maybe I saw it on Instagram Reel or, or TikTok, where Mark Cuban was talking about the NBA TV package. And he said, he goes, I'm not worried about the upcoming TV package. He goes, I'm worried about the TV package after that. He goes, because the way people consume content today is so much different than people consume content five, 10 years ago. And he said, he goes, look, sports programming is always going to be king. But we are in a world where not everyone has access <clears throat> to watch their favorite team. Like, for example, like if I for I pay 30 bucks a month for the Valley Sports Plus Pass, so I have the ability to watch the Tampa Bay Lighting and the New Orlando Magic because uh, their Valley Sports is not on YouTube TV and, and they're on two different RSNs. And so that's where like, but I also think, and Don Davis did indicate that, you know, basically two weeks after tonight, they're going to announce where their broadcasting deal is going to be in 2024. I, you know, I think for their case, hopefully it's on ESPN just because of there, there's not a better platform for your product in sports, you know, as, as we currently sit here. But I mean, obviously you got to get the best deal you possibly can. The one thing I will fight back on Don Davis about is him claiming that this deal is what's best for fighters. Yeah. If you're the top half of the Bellator roster, yes, it's a great deal for you. But if you're, you know, the bottom third bottom half of that Bellator roster you got to be sitting there going shit man 
if I lose my first fight, am I getting cut? Or are they asking me to take a pay cut already before I even take my first fight? Yeah, because that's what happens when acquisitions take place. A company is acquired, Mm -hmm. and usually the middle and bottom tier face significant consequences, whether it be loss of job or pay cut. And so acquisitions, by and large, aren't good, especially short-term. It could be a good thing long-term for the industry, but once again, it just comes down to whether or not PFL is successful with this acquisition. If the PFL builds itself into a bigger promotion that can offer higher pay to fighters, then yes, long-term it will be good. But in the short-term for the fighters that were acquired, for the majority of them, it's actually a bad thing in my opinion. I want to go back to something you said. Two things. One, there's only one platform I think that's superior to ESPN that could give PFL an opportunity to be successful. And I think it's obvious. It's Netflix. Netflix is the biggest platform in the country right now. Okay, you have a show like Suits that was on the USA Network. People watched it. <laughs> it was on- it's hilarious. You say this because I just started binge watching this thing the other day because I saw it was the top of the list on Netflix. Exactly. It was on other streaming platforms before. Maybe Hulu, I want to say. It was available because it was on Netflix because of that simple fact, because maybe it was advertised on the front page or on the suggested for you section. Suits became a phenomenon that now people are revisiting that show and the owner of, excuse me, the writer of that show is now being pitched to do a spinoff. So Netflix is the biggest platform in America and the world today, and it's not even close. If the PFL can somehow get in the Netflix business, that would be epic. Obviously, the UFC is the front runner to get in the Netflix business. And Netflix clearly wants to finally get in the sports business. They just recently did a live event with Formula One and golfers together with Marshawn Lynch, a part of the broadcast. So at some point, a mixed martial arts organization will be on Netflix as Netflix looks to expand its portfolio so they can charge you 30 bucks a month for the damn service. Second point, tournament format versus super fights that are benefiting fighters like Patricio or older people. I am against doing this, Jason. Here's my point. Pick a lane. Be the tournament promotion. Be a normal promotion with fighters and put on fights. Don't do both. When you are not the market leader and there is a massive gap between you and the market leader, do not present a confusing product. Present a simple product that can be explained and understood unless you just want to be another mixed martial arts organization. Be different. The tournament format I do like. But if you choose to go against it, that's fine. But just pick a focus. Your promotion should be able to be explained in one sentence. It shouldn't be, well, we're going to have multiple fight series. We're going to have one in America, one international. We're going to have Bellator champions. We're going to have tournaments. But if you're too old, we're just going to give you super fights. No. Less is more. Less is more is my is my big point. This is, this is a real opportunity for the PFL to do something special. By the way, Everything I'm saying will be ignored. Uh, There's an addiction in this industry, and the addiction is content. And everybody is intoxicated, and they love content. So everything I'm saying, it it means nothing because they won't follow that advice. 
Well, I mean, look, I think the one thing PFL has to do a better job of is constantly being in that narrative. You know, I'm not saying that you got to be you know, doing 40, you know, 45 plus events like the UFC does. But if I sat there and said, you know, hey, can you give us two PFL events a, a month? They're going to do 32. Don Davis said they're going to do 32 total events in, in 2024. So, like, to me, it's like you have the finals here on, on November 24th, and then your, your start of your 2024 season is not going to be till April. Now, I do love this idea of Bellator champions versus PFL champions. And, you know, and Don Davis indicated that, you know, they're – Obviously, healthy of, of the fighters is going to play in, into a role of this. You know, potentially maybe it's going to be March. But, like, if you looked at the potential matchups you could have. And there was an article over on MMA Junkie from Javier Mendez where it, it was titled, PFL champs not known, vast majority are going to lose to Bellator guys. And he said this over on their YouTube channel. He says, they're not revolving, they're not lasting, and that's not known. Their champs aren't known worldwide. I can't tell you who the champ is. Champ is. Only thing I know is Kayla Harrison, honestly. That's sad. And, of course, the two great acquisitions they had in France and Ghana and Jake Paul. Those are stellar acquisitions. My guess is the vast majority of PFL guys are going to lose to the Bellator guys. That's my prediction. The vast majority are going to lose. The heavyweight division, of course, if Ngannou is a heavyweight, no, he's going to win. I don't really know of too many other divisions. And so if you look at, if they were to be able to put this one up against the fighters who are going to win tonight, Ryan Bader versus Hennon, Freya, or Dennis Golfsov. That don't interest me. Just just being honest. Vadim Nemkov versus Impa Kasagnai or Josh Severio. Okay, somewhat interested. Obviously, they don't have an 85-pound division. Uh, Walter Waite, Jason Jackson versus Sabu C or Magomed Magomed Karamov. I mean, Let's give kudos to Jason Jackson, what he did last week. No one saw that one coming. Usman Nurmagomedov versus uh, Clay Collard or uh, Olivia Abed Mercier. Patricio Pitbull versus Jesus Pineda or Gabriel Braga, which, by the way, may be the best fight tonight. Uh, and it's not even on the pay-per-view. So I guess that's a win for us. So maybe not going to purchase this one. Uh, then, of course, uh, Featherweight Chris Cyborg versus uh, Pacheco or Monakina, which, by the way, um, no disrespect to either one of those ladies. There's only one fight PFL needs to make with Chris Cyborg. And by the way, do not make the Cyborg-Pacheco fight, okay? Because Pacheco's if you make that fight, Pacheco will beat Cyborg. You are testing the MMA gods, and Pacheco <laughs> has the talent to beat Cyborg, PFL. Because the PFL is going to have to make some adjustments, right? You can't just do straight the winners of PFL 10 goes on to take on these champions because – Francis needs to fight Bader. Kayla needs to fight Cyborg. Uh, probably Usman obviously won't be fighting the winner of uh, OAM and Collard because he'll be suspended. So you need to adjust a little bit. You know, and maybe the winner of Brunson and Cooper gets uh, the Evelyn, but honestly, that seems like a rough fight. Maybe you just make a random Bellator fight. Um, so yeah, Jason, Kayla and, and Cyborg, that needs to be the first fight that we see. Okay. Do not test the MMA gods anymore. And that's your main, and that's your main event. And I would say this, like, I know there would be a huge reason to want to put that on pay-per-view. And I totally, I would totally understand why you do that. But if you, uh, and, and just saying PFL re-ups with ESPN, it's, March. There's not much. I mean, obviously, March Madness is going on, but it's kind of, it's not a huge part of the year. Like, put that thing on ESPN. 
draw a massive number to get people intrigued in the PFL product. Like, I will say this. I think another matchup that I would find very interesting, because I think it'd be kind of fun, Brandon Lafoyne versus Patricio Pitbull. I think there's a ton of Aaron Pico fights you could probably make that would be very fun. Like, I, I think that at, at the end of the day, to me, it's I think the PFL is going to be is going to give us a lot of reasons to care about the product. And we had the com- we had this conversation last week of outside of the UFC, what promotion do MMA fans truly care about in the United States? And I think PFL now has an opportunity because of the roster they now have to give fans a reason to care about their product. Yeah. This Bellator roster is pretty good when you look at it. When you look at the contracts that they acquired, it's going to supplant a lot of the fighters on the PFL roster. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're the PFL because guess what? They are now your fighters. <laughs> They're, you know, and, and just do away with the Bellator versus PFL rivalry. Get down to business, let the cream rise to the top. And by and large, the cream is going to be these Bellator fighters. You're going to have your PFL fighters that stick around and, and have success, especially in some of the heavier weight classes. That's kind of where I see things going the PFL's way in terms of the bottom, like, 15 of the division. You know, the most interesting name to me in the PFL, along with Nganu and Kayla and, and Jake Paul, is probably uh, Cedric Dumbay. So it'll be interesting to see Pretty how perfect. he does with some of those fighters because he is a guy with a lot of upside. But it's an interesting game to play. Like, who is going to be the big name in the PFL era after Bellator has been acquired? And I think Aaron Pico is a hell of a guess. Um It'll be interesting to see for the PFL if they are able to get any money coming their way from the TV deal because that represents the biggest opportunity for them to grow is if they get money from the TV deal and they make TV the focus because that's just the easiest barrier to entry. One point I want to get back to, by the way, is you talked about the idea of the PFL being in the narrative, running a lot of events. Again, I disagree with that. I do because here's the deal, Jason. As talented as that Bellator roster is, when you combine the PFL Bellator roster, that is not a roster that can put on 32 events a year that are interesting. There aren't that many names on it. They literally cannot do it. Unless you are getting the same people to fight 32 times a year, that's going to run thin, Jason. So the point I'm making is that if you want to be in the narrative – and you try and be in the narrative half the time of the year, your fight cards will suffer in quality, and you will never be in the narrative. But if you low, bring your focus down, and you limit your events, and you stack your cards, you will be in the narrative because the fight cards will be worth talking about. Time and again, we have seen PFL and Bellator cards that have been happening that have not been a part of the narrative. So even if you have so many events, Jason, you does not guarantee being a part of the narrative. It works against you because then your product is uneventful and people will not talk about it. I mean, my thought is more of like if you sat there and said you have two events a month. To me, I think you can have four, five, six high level fights that's going to get people interested in the product. That's that's where I was coming from. So two events a month. So let's let's do the math on this one, Jason. Two events a month. How many interesting fighters do you need on the fight cards? I think you need about per eight, eight to ten. Eight to ten fighters. 
So four to five fights. Eight to ten fighters. Four to five fights. Let's go. Let's just go with eight fighters. Eight fighters. Probably have them fight every three months, muscle minnows, give or take. Eight fighters times six is what? I can't do math. Eight times six? Yeah. Well, that would be uh, what? Thir- or 32 is times four. So, what, 48? <laughs> Are there 48 interesting names? But it, but you're you're going to use those fighters over. So think about that. Well, I know, but divide that number into divide that number into two. So I, I need twenty four fighters. Let's just say a twenty four fighters name. I could probably give you twenty four Bellator fighters that that create me interest. No, but here's the thing: when I say forty eight, bro, that's the first time you're using them because I'm saying they're fighting every three months. I know there's a tournament format where it's more soon, but by and large, you can anticipate fighters only fighting every three mm-hmm. months. So. If it's two events and you want eight fighters per event, eight times six is 48. Okay. So that's the number, bro. You need 50 interesting names. You need 50 interesting names to continue a cycle where you're doing two events a year and you're doing 24 events a year. That's what I'm talking about. Let's talk about 32 events. You probably need 62 names. Are there 62 interesting names on this roster? <laughs> okay. That's I, what I'm saying, bro. I mean, I can, you, I'll, I'll start naming some names. Vadim Nemkov, okay. Yaroslav Amosov, Usman Nurmagomedov, Patricio Pipple, Johnny Eblin, Sergio Pettis, AJ McKee, Ryan Bader, Patchy Mix, Corey Anderson. I just gave you 10 right there. I know. So Chris you, Cyborg, you got... there's 11. <laughs> You're not halfway there yet. I've, 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 I'm literally just looking at the Bellator rankings, okay? All right, let's look at Bantamweight. Rafael Stotts, Juan Archuleta, Koji Horiguchi. Down the featherweight, where I mentioned about Patricio, Adam Borex, Aaron Pico, Jeremy Kennedy. Let's move to the lightweight. Where I mentioned about Usman Nurmagomedov, I put Tricky Pipple, just I think he's an exciting fighter. Alexander Shabley, who I think would probably beat anyone on the belt on the on the PFL lightweight roster. Tafik Musayev, Sydney Outlaw, even though you know uh, Archie Colgan. Where am I at now? What, what's the number I'm at now? 23. Okay, all right, also, all right. Logan Storley, Jason Jackson, Andre Koreshkov, Kochi Yamauchi, Neiman Gracie, Douglas Lima, Lorenz Larkin, Brandon Ward, Fabian Edwards, Gegard Musasi, Anatoly Tokov, Aaron Jeffrey, Dalton Rasta, Phil Davis, Joel Romero, Linton Vassell, Vadim Adovsky, Steve Mallory, Daniel James, Tyrell Fortune, what am I at now? What, what's number I'm at now? 43. Okay. But, now I just got to add five but, but, PFL but, fighters. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah. Steve Mallory and Jeremy Kennedy and Dalton Rasta and Aaron Jeffrey are not moving the needle. I'm they, not, I'm, they, okay. they are not I, moving are they, the needle. No one cares about that right now. Right. But now. Jeremy Kennedy... If you look at the Bellator PFL Bellator featherweight roster and the PFL featherweight roster, you think he's not in the top five? Mm-mm. He may be. He's that talented. No doubt about he, it. He has an argument that he should be fighting for the title next. Absolutely. Bellator, the roster is filled with good fighters. The question is not, do they have good fighters? Do they have fighters that people care about? You need to get fighters that people care about so they tune into the product and then they watch the product and they get feelings for Jeremy Kennedy. I, I'm you telling you this get- right now, off the top of my head, thinking of the PFL roster 
and the Bellator roster. Outside of an Nganu, a Jake Paul, I don't know if there is another fighter I would say the MMA fan base truly cares about and will go out of their way to watch them fight. I would just go with Kayla and um Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Kayla's a good one. I forgot about that and, one. And honestly, again, honestly, going back, Cedric Dumbe is, is the other one. I mean, the I, other I mean one. overall I would say cyborg, but I I haven't been interested in, in cyborg both for fights just because I didn't think her opponent had much of a shot. Now look, you, you sit there and say it's March, let's just say March fifteenth, just throw a date out there. It's Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg. PFL pay-per-view, I'm forking over 50 bucks. I th- That would get me to the television set. This pay-per-view tonight, I'll be honest with you, the, the fights that interest me more are the non-title fights, and, and that being Ray Cooper III versus Derek Brunson, Kayla Harrison versus Aspen Ladd. I, I did find it funny when Don Davis was promoting this pay-per-view, and he talked about how you know Ray Cooper's been on the sideline, enjoying the good life, and I'm like, no, that's not the accurate story. Yeah. The accurate story is he told you he did not want to fight at 70. He wanted to fight 85. You give him a middleweight fight, and you guys didn't give him a middleweight fight. Let, let's, 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 and this has been publicly disclosed by his manager, Brian Hamper. This is not something that is, I'm breaking news here. This is something Brian Hamper has talked about in a public form of we were trying to get Ray a fight. They would not give him a fight 185 pounds. But outside of that, like, I mean, OAM, Clay Collard, unfortunately, I feel like if OAM is going to win this fight, he, he's going to he's gonna grapple fuck Clay Collard. <laughs> I, I, do you sit there and think OAM is going to sit there and have a boxing no. matchup against Clay Collard? Because no. if he does, he's going to get pieced the damn apart. Possibly, possibly. I will say OAM stand-up has impressed me in moments. Like like he had that one fight against once a Burgos where it was like, damn, stand-up ain't too bad. Stand-up ain't too bad at all. So, I mean, yeah, Collard probably will piece him up, but OAM has shown some progression in that aspect of the game. But, yes, Jason, I mean, that's you You got to wrestle if you're OAM. Uh, but it is, I mean, to me, it is the most interesting fight amongst the uh, – I guess amongst the whole card, like, yeah, I'm excited for Cooper and Brunson, but, uh, I mean, that might be my number two fight on the card. Yeah, I mean, this card did lose Jenkins versus Chris Wade. Chris Wade missed weight by three pounds, or almost three pounds. Uh, Bubba Jenkins did not take the fight. Bubba Jenkins uh, will be an alternate for the featherweight bout uh, title match between Braga and Pineda, which may be, by the way, the best title fight they have on this card. Kind of surprised. Ali um, Walsh, another amateur fight for him. I, last fight was really the first time I watched him. And I remember I'm watching this, and I text my guy Pete, who obviously Pete's you know, got a stand-up background, and I'm like, I'm like, are you watching this? I go, this Ali Walsh kid, I go, this guy can throw. I don't know if he can stop a takedown. But, boy, this kid's got – I mean, obviously, we all, we all know the, the family heritage here. Uh, homeboy can throw some hands. He can throw them bungalows. He, he's he's certainly someone that represents a, a fighter with upside for the PFL, right? Mm-hmm. If they can get Ali Walsh to be a good fighter – Bro, you got Muhammad Ali's grandson in there. Like, Look, geez, Louise, story this, right itself. This is my hope for tonight, and I know some people may be listening or watching this after this pay per view is over. 
I am just hoping we do not have a crap ton of 25 minute fights because otherwise it is going to be a long night of watching MMA fights. Bro, like I, we got a little taste of that on Saturday, right? Like, like, uh, as you know, as fun as the fight was, um, Patricky and, um, uh, oh my God, who did he lose to? Uh, Alexander Shabley. Shabley. Oh my fudge. Fudge crackers. This is going to be 25 minutes to start. We get the <laughs> point. Shabley's the better fighter after three. Like that should be the caveat. The caveat should be after three rounds, the three judges can make a decision to stop the fight. They should be like, all right, we already know what's happening. Shabley's <laughs> being the hell out of Pitbull. And, and that would be great for all the viewers. So it's like if it's three rounds and it's close and the fight's interesting, all right, two championship rounds, let's go. Uh, but, yeah, there's an opportunity for this one to feel like torture, right? There's there's a fine line between enjoying yourself while watching an MMA show versus being like, oh, my God, it's been 24 minutes and we have four more championship fights to watch. I mean, seriously, like um, Sadabusi – and Magomed, Magomed Karamov has an opportunity to be really boring for 25 minutes. So does OAM and Collar, to be honest with you. I think Pacheco undoubtedly will get a first-round finish, so that's a guarantee. You can take that one to the bank. Yeah, I think I, Silvera I, and Impa is a finish. I think Renan and Goldsop is a finish. And the featherweight fight, even if it goes 25, will actually be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was just looking at uh, you know some of these uh, betting lines over here, uh, just looking at uh, the Hard Rock uh, sports book app, which is that's uh, for here in Florida. Magomed uh, Karamov minus one eighty against Sabudusi. I just don't I don't like this matchup for Sabudusi just because of, of the grappling ability. So I could really see Karamov, uh, you know, just grappling the hell out of him for twenty five minutes. I will say this: I do like the. Uh, under two and a half rounds. You know, if you're looking to place a little bit of wager on the Kayla Harrison Aspen Lad fight, uh, which I want to say was uh, when I saw it. Uh, well, now it w- it was plus money at plus one ten. Now it's minus one hundred five. So uh, the, the get a little bit of money there. But uh, you know, and and Pacheco. Uh, I was looking at her on the uh, the the round prop. If you want to go under one and a half rounds, plus one thirty, which she very well may you know just destroy her. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, what happens. You know, one of the things, and I had someone text me uh, this on, on Monday, kind of uh, a Bellator retrospective. And you know, to me, where everything really went downhill, I think is twofold, Daniel, and it's related to when Kevin K. Uh, was, uh, you know, parted ways with Viacom. And Bellator kind of went on this. They were on CBS Sports Network, and, you know, they went from Spike to, to Paramount to, to CBS Sports Network and then Showtime. Like, to me, that was ultimately the beginning of the end for Bellator. Um, it, it's just because, I mean, and, and I think COVID. COVID really killed Bellator. And I thought it was kind of interesting that Don Davis even noted that, you know, COVID was a, a huge um, turning point for them and, and where they could go there. But, um you know, I, I think it, it's one of these stories that, to me, it's about let's see where this thing unfolds 12 months from now and to see if the PFL ultimately has us more interested in their product 12 months from now. I think there's, like you mentioned, about, I think there's there's a lot of great things they could do. It's just, to me, it's a matter of can they execute it in the right way. Yeah, exactly. And um, telling stories, doing a good job with that. It, it's going to be interesting. We'll pay attention. My gut instinct is that they won't, and they'll be they'll go against my best wishes, which is they'll do a shitload of of events. And um, yeah, but uh, we'll see. I I 
random topic. Okay. Thinking about the Bellator like broadcasters, you know, Josh Thompson, Big John McCarthy, Mario Ronaldo, um, Michael C. Williams, the announcer. Amanda Guerra also, I think she's one of those people that's part of the, uh, the dais they go to with Josh. Do you think the UFC would acquire any of those names? Well, Amanda, she's employed by CBS, so I would say she would be a no. Um, even though I think she, even though as much as I hate the desk, uh, just because I, I just think I, one of the major issues I have with that Bellator broadcast is just t- too much filler going back to that desk. Um, I would say uh, Michael C. Williams would be a very, if I was PFL, I would be trying to keep him because I think he's an excellent, um, you know, cage announcer. I mean, obviously, you know, UFC already has uh, Bruce and Joe Martinez, so I don't think they would really have uh, much work for him uh, potentially. Um, but I would see, I could see something like if a Josh Thompson became available, I could potentially see maybe the UFC would want to bring him in. Um, I, I, you know, I think Josh does a good job. Um, I don't. I don't. I would. I would be highly shocked if the UFC would bring in John McCarthy. Um, I don't. I don't think he bring in Morrow just because I think they 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 like kind of who they have. Yeah, and Morrow is like, he's a distinct flavor, and the UFC broadcast. Broad, the UFC mo is like. Well, and he, here's the other point: isn't that relationship between WWE and Morrow not a good one? I don't think it's not good. I just think it ended poorly because one dude was mean to him, kind of like a. I'm not super sure. I don't think it's too bad. I just think. I, I, I thought. I, I'd look and I just. I, I feel like I saw something at one point that there were there some issues there. I mean, obviously, WWE and, and the UFC are now under the same umbrella. So, um, I mean, look, I think Sean O'Connell does a great job for the PFL as, as a color, as a play-by-play broadcaster. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not a, that is not an easy thing to just pick up. And, and he has done an excellent job of that. But um, I, I think if you're the PFL, I think there's a lot of those people that you say, okay, uh, we believe that they offer us value. I mean, I, I'm, I will say this. I know that, um, I think it's important what we do is you have to outline where you could have blinders on. And there's a lot of people that I know in Bellator that I, I, I look at the PFL and say, I think you're stupid if you don't hire them. But I think also part of me probably just means I, I do have my blinders on when it comes to that. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I think a lot of people in the industry don't want to admit that, that they have blinders, but I don't have blinders. Yeah. Well, we all have our own, you know, our own like biases and stuff, you know, I'll, Always assume the Texans have the the best uh, the best quarterback in the league, and uh, <laughs> there's that. But undoubtedly, there are people within Bellator that deserve an opportunity to continue to do good work in the industry. And if they don't find it in a PFO, they don't find it in the UFC. Maybe they'll find it. Yeah, I mean, look, organization. I, I would say this just because I have excellent relationship with everyone in the Bellator PR staff. I, I would love to see, love to see PFL bring them in. Cause I think they would be able to, they would offer a lot to the PFL product, but um, you know, I, I, and I'll say this, I've not reached out to anyone in Bellator. I just, cause I'm like, what am I going to say? I mean, they, cause they're probably all sitting there going, okay, am I redoing my resume and trying to find a new job? Am I getting a severance package? Like I, I and I, I'm like, if I'm in my shoes, I don't want some goddamn MMA podcast host text me going, "Hey man, what's going on?" 
Yeah. Yeah. Because life's changed, you know, it's real life stuff. I think fig- I figure at some point either they'll reach out to me or I'll reach out to them. But I, I right now I just feel like it's not the right time. Yeah. It's a, it's a dramatic change, but it's one that was expected. So at least there was that sense of expectation. Yeah. And now it's just like, what's next? What's next in life? And uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, as we talk about what's next, let's move over. I got to ask the- you something. Go ahead. You ever been fingered? Oh, we're going to get into that. No, no, we're we're getting, oh, 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 after we get through the next topic, yeah, we're getting to the WTF moment of the week. Oh, don't worry. Oh, we, we get into that. Don't worry. We're getting to that. That's how we're going to wrap up the show. That's um, okay. That's a good finish, literally. We, we, we love to do our, our drafting of fights. And so we're going to do here for oh. December, we're, we're going to do our top five. Okay. Uh, of course, we only have three UFC events coming up here in, in the month of December. Um, I'm going to be the nice guy here, Dave. I'm going to give you your first pick. I already, I already know who your first pick is. I, I, I'd i be shocked if it's not your first pick. It's actually, either, actually there, between, there, there's there's three candidates. There's three candidates. It's either between Rihanna, Dos Santos, Ristolita, <laughs> Allen Carr, or... All right, I'm going to go Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. <laughs> No, I, look, I I think that's to me. It's either Edwards Covington, Pintoja Royval, Darius Sharukian. Yeah, those are like clearly the top three fights of December, uh, because December is just there is there is not a lot going on, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. Since I you know I mean snake draft this really works. I didn't even think about this. This really works out great for me. So, uh, uh, one I'll, I'll go Pantoja Royval. And then I'll come back with Dariush and Sarukian. Damn you, bastard. Okay. Uh, so you're taking Sarukian in the championship fight. I'm going to go with... Uh... God, I feel dirty taking this fight. I'm going to draft Ferguson and Patty Pimblett. Um, I that, did I mean, not even is... put that on my list. It's not a great fight, but it's an interesting fight. And it's probably going to be like the most interesting, like non-championship fight of the month. The one that we'll have the most opinions about, that we'll talk about. I just think that's going to be a fight people talk about. So okay. it's, it's, yeah, it's it's like I feel like I'm harming the environment by picking that fight, but it, whatever. And then a fun fight, Rachmanov and Steven Thompson. I, I was going to say, if that was not your pick, I, I'm like, did you did you forget about this fight? Yeah, no. I mean, like, okay, in 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 the uh, in the order, we'll put that one obviously above Pimblin and Ferguson, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's one and the same. Um. So uh, my third pick, uh, give me a fight of two guys who trained together. They've had kind of a little interesting back and forth here. Uh, Luke K and Ian Gary. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a hell of a fight. It's a good pay per view, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two ninety six is a good pay per view. Uh, and then next one, um. Give me a, and this is a fight that actually just came together over the last twenty four hours because Dan Hooker broke his arm in training. Give me Bobby Green versus Jalen Turner, just because you you know those two guys. I mean, like I, I always feel like there's going to be like some gentleman's agreement that we're not even going to try to do some fake takedown, and those two guys just going to sit there and uh, throw those hands. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's going to be freaking fun, man. I think my there, there's a couple good UFC fights left, right? There's there's Sean Brady and Kelvin Gastelum. There's Rob Fawn and Davidson mm-hmm. Figueredo. 
And then you go back to UFC 296, and you got to look at Garbrandt and Kelleher. You got to look at Edmund and Chikadze, maybe even Adonia and Rosa. And uh, Song Gidong is taking on Chris Gutierrez in that one fight night. But uh, I'm going to end up picking Rob Bond and Davis and Figueredo mm-hmm. as my fourth fight. In my fifth fight, I'm going to get cute. I'm going to get real cute. I'm going to go across the country, across the world, over the over the high seas. I'm going to go to Japan. And uh, at the end of the year, uh, Ryzen 45 in uh, St. Thomas Super Arena. And I'm going to get all nerdy on you. And I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick for the Ryzen Bantamweight Championship. Juan Archuleta versus Kai Asakura. I would say that I saw they put out the post for that one. A really cool poster. Uh, and see, now this is a problem, man. I've got there's multiple fights here. I'll tell you. Here's why I still have my list: Brady versus Gaslam, Yudong versus Gutierrez, Ever Chikaze, Garbrandt versus Kelleher, Menafield versus Jacoby. And I think it really comes down to me. It's either Song Yudong versus Chris Gutierrez or Sean Brady versus Kevin Gaslam. I'll go Brady versus Gaslam, but I mean Song Yudong, Chris Gutierrez. I think it, it is a fun fight. I mean um, Garbrandt Kelleher should be a fun fight. I don't know what to think of Cody Garbrandt in, in twenty twenty three of where he's at. Uh, Minifield Jacoby just should be a good stand up matchup. I mean that's one of those things where I enjoy where you have. Um, the UFC matching Dustin Jacoby up against someone that I don't necessarily think is automatically just going to be shooting for takedowns. Um, Minifield could, obviously, but I feel like he's going to throw those hands. But um, it, it's going to be a, an interesting month of December. I mean, um, I think Colby Covington is going to walk away with the title come uh, December 16th. That's just that's just my thought. Um, I would expect Pantoja to uh, retain his title. I mean, Rachmanov Thompson should be a fun one. I think I, I probably think Rachmanov. I think we're, I, I would be surprised if we're sitting here 12 months from now and Rachmanov has not fought for a UFC title yet. Yeah. He's that damn talented. And this is a Joe Silva matchup. If I've ever seen one, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's two Joe Silva matchups. There's that one in Ferguson and Pimblett. Uh, those are two things that are clearly being set up as platforms for said fighters to go ahead and uh, and move up the rankings. So you mentioned about something that happened, and uh, so we'll move into our WTF moment of the week. This is something that I saw on my social media, and so we got to play the video here. Is uh, Tom Aspinall doing an interview with Nina Marie Danielle? And then you're going to after so it's about that's about ten seconds. Then uh, he was on another podcast. I'm not sure what the podcast was. Uh, looks like the uh, gentlemen were were sitting at a bar enjoying a, f- a few cocktails, talking about it. And then uh, the last thing you're going to see on the screen, if you're watching this on video, is what Nina put on her social media account. Uh, I've got a question. Okay. Have you ever been fingered by an MMA fighter before? Fingered? Yeah, fingered. No. What would it take? To finger me? Yeah. Like, are we talking about the same thing? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
cool thing of what you've done. You're quite obviously referring back to Instagram stories. Yeah. Listen, everybody follows Nina's stuff. She's a good content maker. There's no doubt about that. But she does get a lot of questions from lads that are flirting with her and giving her oh, all sorts of all random kinds. shit. And all kinds. And that's all you were doing. You were referring back to a previous question that you've probably seen on one of exactly. her Instagram well, stories. Well, that's what we spoke about off camera, is she gets all these kind of mad questions. And then she asked me, do I want to ask her anything? So I thought I'd throw a weird one in there. She asked me, mate, in 20 minutes, I'm not into, I'm a participating no, no, November. It's not like we were talking about, oh, how do you think you're going to get in on your fight? Oh, have you been fingered before? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that. It wasn't, mate, it wasn't one of the That's like serious. That was not one of the That would be serious problem. I wasn't, mate. Do you think I've been dealt with like Laura Sanko or Megan O'Leary? Absolutely, when we're doing a professional interview. Absolutely no chance. Under the context of me and Nina knowing each other and have that kind of answer, and her asking me a million weird questions before, I think it's justified to ask a weird one back. And so for people who are just listening on audio platform or the, on the screen right now, it says where Nina goes, I can't believe the media tried to cancel Tom Aspel over a 10 second clip. I didn't take it as sexual harassment. I took it as sexual harassment. Anyone who is trying to cancel Tom Aspel can go get fingered respectively. L O L. So Daniel, I see this come across my social media timeline and here is the thought I had. If that was John Jones who said that to a female reporter or content creator, if that was Conor McGregor who said that, how different is the reaction after the fact? Yeah, I think the story has more legs and those two are painted in a worse light. Ultimately, neither it would stick on either because, I mean, both have actually done bad things and not getting canceled for it. I think it's really hard to get canceled in the MMA landscape. Like, you know, Pat Miletic was out here storming the Capitol and still chilling, you know, just getting a DWI and fighting like four weeks later against Mike Jackson. Like, it's impossible to get canceled. But um, absolutely, they would have a field day with it. You know, there's a couple things here. Um, one, the context is, in, is is key, right? Like, I think we are in a post-canceled age where people are tired of seeing people get canceled, like just across the board. Mm -hmm. People are tired of it on both sides of the political aisle. And there's a pushback on it, which I think is a good thing. Um, Because, yeah, it it was just, I think if people know Nina's content, they know that it, it's about asking funny questions, usually mm-hmm. sexual in nature. Usually it's her doing the asking. And so, yeah, Tom was playing around, and his context is needed for something like that. It wasn't a professional setting. Those interviews aren't. That's an entertainment thing. And most people know Nina because I don't know what it is, but the algorithm loves Nina. Drama. And I think everyone has seen her content in the MA landscape, whether it be on X or YouTube or whatever. She has figured it out how to make a really good living out of MMA content. Um, so good for her. Hats off to her. Um, the other thing I'll say, Jason, is that there is a, it is funny content. And I don't want to be like holier than thou guy, but it's telling that that's what the top stars in our sport do. They do these interviews. But can you imagine Patrick Mahomes? Can you imagine Mm -hmm. LeBron James? Yeah, have fun. Make jokes, whatever. But do you want to be a professional athlete? Do you want to be a freaking superstar? 
You're going to be on a podcast asking them if they got fingered or are you going to be a superstar? I think that is very telling on where MMA is in 2023 because you, and, and I was already thinking of that point is if that was a NBA player, if that was a NFL player, a major league baseball player, NHL player, it's on, it's on sports center every day of, can you believe what this athlete said to a female reporter? I mean, you know, it, it, it's one of these things of, and when I, when I first saw it, I thought it was fake. I was like, this can't be real. Like, it's one of those things that you see on social media go, no, someone doctored this. And then when you're seeing, they're basically going, yeah, this really did happen. I'm like, and I understand female reporters, they deal with a lot of shit in direct messages. But, like, you tell me this story's not reported differently if it's John Jones or Conor McGregor? Like, come on. I, I yeah, can already look at – I already know who the reporters would be who would have 20 stories on this for the clicks. Yeah, there would certainly be less room for nuance. And Tom was given the benefit of the doubt here. People took some time to really think about what was happening. This, But if it was one of those names, it would be – no, no time for thinking. No time for nuance. Um, you can surely, if someone combed through this exact podcast, they would be able to find ten seconds that could cancel either of us. Oh, sure. Yeah. Podcasts taken out of context, short sound bites, can cancel anybody. I mean, look at what happened a week ago. We've already forgotten about the story. But I believe Trisha Thompson nearly killed the journalism industry. Uh, that's what I that's what I gathered on X. I mean, Jesus Christ, the amount of people that threw her under the effing bus. Oh my god. Dude, I saw that clip and I was like, What? Yes, that was a stupid clip. Like, even if you're joking, <laughs> you can't joke about that. I know. Dude, like, I I just, man, that, oof. I'm not a huge part of my take listener. I I listen to every once in a while. I mean, you know, maybe maybe I listen to an episode once every couple weeks, you know, depending on, on what they're talking about. But when I saw that clip come up on my social media timeline, I was like, why would you admit that in a public forum? Like you're basically just telling your bosses to fire you. I know. And like journalism, like you, that's your word. It's your bond, which is, mm-hmm. you know, your word, your word is all you got your integrity. But, you know, she was trying to be funny and it loses its context. Right. When you, when you get the translation from people just listening to the clip to people quote tweeting it to what it looks like on print. And even if maybe she didn't actually mean what she said, which she would go on to say that she didn't actually make stuff up in her apology, she was already burnt at the stake. She already literally was the next Stephen Glass or uh, name another famous journalism, you know, guy or girl that got canceled for plagiarism. She was already you know, the, the villain of the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, fortunately for her, she didn't get fired and the story has died down. And I don't, I I'm actually kind of happy for her because like, I am very, very, very 
annoyed of cancel culture. And that is not a point. I was not someone who would say that five years ago. I feel like when you look at some of those people that got canceled, it is undoubtedly justified. You were talking about real criminals Mm -hmm. who committed like sexual assault, were legitimately racist. That's a justified reason. An offhand comment on a podcast is not justifying that. An offhand comment in a comedy interview is not justification for that. As As a society, we need to be more forgiving of each other, more loving of each other, have more empathy and not look to get our pitchforks out. And, and and I think social media has absolutely created that mentality. I mean, just look at Travis Kelsey. He's having to talk about tweets from 2009. What just did, because what of who he's find, dating. What did they find out about him? Just basically about, you know, just stupid tweets he had. Not, nothing, like, nothing like cancel culture. Just, you know, just, I mean, he's kind of having a lie with it, but I think he, you know, he understands, like, you know, hey, I'm 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 dating the the biggest musician in the world, and so people are going to. I mean, I, dude, I can't go on my timeline any day, especially on Facebook, and not see some story someone's created about Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift. It's it's a con. We live in a content freaking world, bro. Oh, what's the new content for today? Well, we're just gonna scram it down your throat. Uh, okay, you you know it's gonna be today. What fight happened at a Walmart of people fighting over a TV? Yeah, yeah, something Black Friday. For a little... I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I'm, I'm a Tarjay kind of guy. Yeah, I just order on the app, car. pick it up, they put it right in my car. Don't even have to go inside. No, I'm not like that. I like, I like, I like the walk. I like walking around Target, brother. I like, you know, seeing the aisles, seeing the people. We live such secluded, isolated lives nowadays. I actually like going out and about and, and just being one with the people. I'm not I'm not a person who pulls up to a lane and gets my thing delivered. It's just it's it's just easier. Now like look if like if I'm going grocery shopping at Target, okay, I, I, I do that. But like if I'm going in to pick up whatever. Like what what did I pick up the other day? Some drugs. No, I definitely not pick up any drugs. <laughs> um, I, I guess some stuff for the house, you know, like some household items type stuff. I, it's just easier, you know. That's just for me. Yeah, I, I'm a Tarjay guy, but uh, I, I like to go in the store and explore my brother. I yeah, even, even though the only reason I would walk walk into a Walmart right now, have you heard of uh, Uno No Mercy? There's a, it's like a game where you, you can it, make someone... It's Draw a Uno more, game. Right. It's a, a new yeah yeah a newer version of game. So uh, it's on Walmart.com because me me and my friends have talked about this. Like it's like it's like a, instead of plus four, it's plus draw plus ten. And That's insane. Let's just say people. Some people have learned that um, if you want to play me Uno, I play with strategy. What's your strategy? I once I start kind of figuring out what you got in your hand. What colors you don't got? You know, Damn. all of a sudden That's... the skips coming out. Oh, draw man. twos, draw fours. I'm very strategic in my Uno playing. Yeah, you know what, dude? I should get Uno. I should get Uno because you know we're we're starting Viper season. Um, well, it started on Wednesday. I missed the game though. Uh, I gotta get Uno for some downtime. Play some Uno with the guys before the game starts. 
I, I did yeah. see uh, you put in your story a little highlights of your wrestling yeah. match. Yeah, that was a while back. That was when I was still wrestling. My, I do have a match, I think, in a week, I want to say. But uh, I, that was the match I was most proud of. And I, I asked the person who recorded it if he had finally put it together, and he had. He just hadn't reached out to me. And so I finally got it, and I posted it. And it was important to me because so far that was my favorite match. And the reason being was it just I felt like it had the least amount of mistakes and we told a story and the crowd was into it. It was a smaller crowd than usual, but it was still the match I'm most proud of. Did a superplex off the top rope, you know, so, yeah. I'm sure it's probably a movie you probably practice a thousand times. No, I hadn't done it a single time. Not even training. <laughs> no, I don't practice superplexes. I don't because it's too high impact. I do suplexes. I do suplexes on the ground. But because we do have a crash pad, but it's just really inconvenient to put it in the ring. But because you're at an elevated situation, you really want to limit the amount of times you jump and you fall on your back. So Makes sense. So, yeah, I did not practice that. And that was the first time I had ever done it. When he, when he suggested that we do the superplex, I thought he was going to give it to me, which is something I would be more scared of. And I was already trying to figure out a thing to suggest to get out of it. I was like, well, maybe we'll do something else. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm taking it. I was like, okay, then I'm willing to do it. And the dude I wrestled was unbelievable, a hell of a talent. He made me look amazing, and it was an absolute honor to wrestle him. And, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what he does next, and I'm sure we'll have some matches in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, – yeah. I'll be uh, hopping on that plane tomorrow, headed to Indianapolis. It is freezing cold in Indianapolis. Thank God it is an indoor stadium. I think it's going to be like the low tomorrow. I think like 27. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, the low tomorrow is 27. High is 43 on Sunday. Low of 30, high of 40. Thank mm. God that's an indoor stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unbelievable. That, there, that, I, I, the, I will say this, though. There is... Um, so we went, we played it in the, I want to say two years ago, maybe a year. Yeah, it was probably two years ago. Um, and uh, there's a cool bar, bar arcade right around. And uh, if it's the one I remember, there was like this huge area with like a TV and the couch. So I'm a Noel. One of the guys I work with, he's a gator. So, uh, you know, what we're doing tomorrow night. There'll be some friendly trash talking <laughs> as we're watching the game. Wow. I love it, man. Well, I think you're. Well, you got a good game on your hands, crap. I was about to say, I think you're going to get the better of the trash talk, but with your quarterback Dude. down, you yeah, they, they lost. The they lost. They lost their quarterback last week as well as uh, it was a shoulder injury. Yeah, a little. Uh, so we get to uh, the the team hotel in San Francisco, and uh, I get a text. It just says, "Oh no, Jordan," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And the person goes. Uh, gruesome graphic injury may not want to watch Jordan just broke his leg and then of course I watched it yeah yeah poor Jordan he uh your team you know has real national championship aspirations he was yeah I mean I, I was I would say this I was kind of uh kind of thinking about like okay you know they get the final four one of the, the final four spots is is New Orleans. I was thinking that's probably where they put FSU because that would, you know, they ge- they want to do it geographically where they can, you know, obviously sell tickets. I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to buy Sugar Bowl tickets now. <laughs> no. You see, you should have gone to that Florida State LSU game. I told you 
beginning of the year. You should have gone. <laughs> now here you are, Jason, undefeated, and you can't even look forward to Go the Tate Rodemaker. Come on, Tate. Show yeah, them what you knows? got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think y'all will win, though, for reals. It's just the biggest threat is going to be the ACC championship game. Yeah, I don't know yeah, who you're going to play. Gonna play. Louis, they'll play Louisville. Oh, yeah. Louisville actually looks really good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's uh, I, I was telling I was telling my, my my buddies who's a who's a null, and you know I'm trying to talk him off the ledge. Like after if we drop the five, I go, listen, bro, Ohio State, Michigan, one's gonna have a lost. That that likely eliminates one team. Okay, Washington's got to play Oregon. I think Oregon's the better team. I go, I go, bro. We if we go we win these next two games, we're in the college football playoff. Oh yeah, if you're like, undefeated, winning the winning a bit hour five conference, you're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it. It's just uh, yeah. It's uh, college athletics is just uh, it's a, it's a really interesting time, especially when you start hearing these people throwing out numbers of what Texas A&M wants to play their next coach. Woof. Whew. You just got to worry about hiring a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is that is true. We we are in a different era of uh, of college athletics. This is not yeah. the era that I grew up on. This is a totally different era, and uh, with NIL and how that works. So yeah, it's uh, I'll be I'll be I'm looking forward to watching uh, a bunch of college football this weekend. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, I'll be up in Indy. Of course, we'll be back next week. Well, of course, we'll talk about whatever happens uh, tonight with the PFL. Of course, we got that UFC Austin event next week, the Darius and Sarukian card. So we'll be talking about all that next week here on the podcast. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this podcast, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the Amir Report podcast.